and that was a great Christmas. Yeah, and, and no, I didn't make a mistake. I, I know it's Thanksgiving we just walked through, not Christmas. But do you know that's what I'm, I'm praying for you? I, I'm praying that 27, 28 days from now, you're going to be able to look back on this month and say, boy, that was a great Christmas. So, so here we are on December 1, the month out in front of us. Do you have any ideas what would make a great Christmas? Already thinking about that? I mean, we've been through some Christmases, right? We, we know what makes a good Christmas, and we know what makes one of the other ones, right? I mean, hey, you know what? And I don't think this is shallow to say. Sometimes a gift makes Christmas kind of good, doesn't it? Every now and there's a Christmas that comes with a really special gift, maybe something really meaningful behind it, or, or it, it, could, it could be that it's a, a trip that we're going to take or a family gathering. You're, what you need for a great Christmas may be more simple than that. You know, if, if I, everybody would just get along for one day. Could we just not fight for one? You know what I'm talking about. It sounds like that would be a great Christmas. So we've got ideas, and as we travel through this month, we'll be thinking about what makes a great Christmas. Now, I'm I'm under the assumption that I'm in a room that largely believes that Jesus is the reason for the... Yes, okay, we, we... Yeah, well, yeah, well, sure, we'll applaud that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we, we not only believe that, we grieve a little bit that our, our society doesn't quite get that, right? It, it, it bothers us. And as a matter of fact, you know, I started thinking, this whole idea of Jesus is the reason for the season. I, I remember the buttons. I don't know how long those have been around, 20 or 30 years. But when they first came out, it was actually an encouragement to one another. We were, you know, we're reminding ourselves not to get caught up in the in the trappings of Christmas, keep it about Jesus, right? You realize today our problem is much more severe than that. It's not about, you know, running away with the trappings of Christmas. No, we, we actually have not only a growing population, but a very significant population in America that doesn't even know that the word Jesus and Christmas go together. That, that there's some relationship in those things. And boy, that, 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 that bothers us. So, but here's my question. Are we that different from them? Now, that, believe it or not, that's not meant to be some kind of guilt thing. You know, I'm going to come around and stick you now. Oh, you're just as bad. No, that's not what I'm saying. You know what? That person that doesn't even know that Jesus and Christmas go together, they're sitting somewhere on December 1st also. And they could be looking out at the month thinking about what, what would make a great Christmas. Are, are their thoughts really any different than ours? Because, see, I, I'm guessing that when you're thinking about a great Christmas, Jesus doesn't enter into that. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying you're not going to be in church, you know, on Sundays. I'm not saying you're not going to be here on Christmas Eve. No, I, I would assume many of you are. As a matter of fact, I would guess many of you are going to do something during this holiday season that is motivated by the fact that it's christmas you're going to you're going to give serve love someone or a a group you're you're going to do that and it's christmas that motivates you to you know it's about jesus you love jesus you're you're trying to make it about jesus but even with all that i would suggest to you that most of us if not all of us when we think about a great christmas jesus doesn't factor into that 
Now, I hate to be all cliche-ish here, but it is his birthday, right? You know, if you stop thinking about it that way, does it matter who has a great Christmas other than Christ? And by the way, I think you and I can work at giving Christ a great Christmas, and it won't interfere with ours. Okay, we can still have a great Christmas while we focus on giving Jesus a great Christmas. That's what our, our series is going to be. That's what we're going to look at as we walk through December. We're going to look at a number of characters in the Christmas story and just learn from them, see if we can get some cues, some ideas of what we can do that would give Jesus a great Christmas. But we're going to start today, not in the Christmas story, but at the other end of the story. We're going to, we're going to start at the Lord's table. And I think we're going to see here in a moment that Christmas is right here at the Lord's table. So let, let's start with that. Let's, let's get the passage in front of us. If you have your Bible with you today, open up to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, you'll find that about, oh, I don't know, three-fourths of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. That's kind of the neighborhood. Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to begin in verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14. It says there, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. You know, I, I would suggest to you, very rarely are you going to find the word eager and suffering in the same sentence. And yet, not only is eager here, but very eager. Verse 16, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Have you ever had somebody sacrifice for you? They gave up time, resources, energy. I mean, you realized, hey, they really went out of their way. They really, that feels good, doesn't it? Hey, I want you to know something, whether you can remember the last time that happened or not, remember it now. Jesus sacrificed for you. And I would suggest it is a much greater sacrifice than anything anybody else has ever done for you. You know, this passage, uh, the Lord's Supper, brings us a lot of really big ideas. I mean, whether it's a single word or a phrase, there is so many things in this passage to stop and understand what the meaning behind that is, what the symbolism behind that is, what the history behind that is. There is a lot going on in this passage. And I want to look at two phrases. And you know what? They're probably not the two most important phrases in this passage. They're, they're not the two biggest things that we could be trying to get a grasp of. But, but they are two things that got a grasp of me this time around. And, and, and the, maybe the first one is kind of because we're coming out of Thanksgiving weekend. It's just the idea that Jesus here is giving thanks. 
Now, we might say, well, yeah, of course, he's having a meal and he gives thanks. I mean, we all do that, right? That's not, that's not a big deal. But you, you realize he's giving thanks when he is literally hours away from entering the worst possible imaginable weekend that anybody could ever have. You know, sometimes we know something bad is coming. Sometimes we don't know something bad is coming. Jesus always knows. (laughs) Okay, he always knows. And he clearly knows here because he actually refers to his suffering. He knows what's coming. Can you imagine that, what is it, it's a quarter after 11, that by 2 o'clock today you would be getting be beginning the worst week you could ever have in your entire life? Would you be giving thanks right now? Probably not. Well, we might be praying, but it wouldn't be words of giving. He's giving thanks when he's literally about to begin this horrible weekend. Now, I would say, you know what Jesus is doing for us here is modeling what we looked at last week. First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything... In every circumstance, give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Well, that's a big statement. This is God's will. You know what that means? It means giving of thanks is not just a neat idea. Hey, you know, you want to be more positive. Hey, you want to see the bright side of things. Hey, that's what good people do. Good people show thanks. No, this is way beyond that. This is way beyond a good idea. This is God's will for you. You know, my, my guess is a couple of people walk through the door today. You came to church today because you're you're thinking about you're looking for God's will. You, you, you've been looking for it a while. You mean you want you want an answer. You want some direction. You you want to hear God's voice. You want to see something happen. And you're looking you know, I'm going to go to church today and I want to I want to know God's will. You know, the best way to get God's will is to do God's will. So why? I don't know it. That's why I'm here. No, it says right here. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do God's will. And guess what? You'll find that will get more and more bright. You'll find that will become more and more open. So Jesus here is modeling give thanks. This is God's will in every circumstance. You know, we looked at last week how important that word in is. It's not for. We're not thankful for everything because not everything is good. We're thankful in the midst of it. Like no matter what is going on in your life right now, no matter what this past week was like, I would suggest that right here, right now, today, you could be thankful for this, that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he would die on the cross for your sins. You may not even fully grasp and understand what all that means or what all is entailed in that, but understand this, Jesus loves you. You know, that's such a basic statement in the church that I think sometimes we don't say it enough because we already know, right? Hear, hear this. Jesus loves you. And because of that love and because of what he did on the cross, you've been adopted as a child of God. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Heaven is your future. See, these are things I can be thankful for every day. These are things I can be thankful for in every situation. Nothing's going to happen to me that will change that. Nothing's going to happen that I will lose that. Hey, can bad things be going on? They sure can, but they're, what did we say last week? They're temporary. They may be horrible, but they're temporary. Now, the tricky part is temporary could be like 50 years. But temporary is still temporary in light of eternity. 
And God has our eternity and he's working in the temporary. And so we can give thanks for that. And boy, we see Jesus here modeling what that looks like in this, in this horrible moment that he's about to enter. The second phrase, and I think this comes right out of giving of thanks. I've already referred to it. Is this idea of being very eager. What, what is he eager about? I mean, okay, I get it. Be thankful. That's a way of showing trust in the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to focus on the good things that he's doing. But eager. Okay, that really is ramping it up a lot, isn't it? It's one thing to say be thankful. But now we see Jesus being very eager. Eager for what? He says for this meal. You think he's eager for dinner? No, it's not, it's not about a meal. It's about what the meal represents. And what does it represent? It represents his body being broken. It represents his blood being spilled. He literally says, very eager for this moment that will kick off my suffering. Why, why would that be something Jesus is eager about? We might say, as I just said a second ago, because Jesus loves you, Right? Because Jesus loves you, he is eager to come to this moment. You know what Jesus wants for you? Is to never have to worry about a sin in your life ever again. Don't ever have to worry about that. Don't have to try to hide that. Don't have to try to cover that. Jesus wants for you to never have to worry about that. He loves you. And we would say, oh, Jesus went to the cross because he loves me. And he did. But I want to throw a curveball at you. I, I, I want to suggest that there's something Jesus loves even more. That there was something right in front of you that actually was the primary thing moving him. And that is Jesus' love for his father. A love for his father that was so great. He desired what his father wanted even more than what he wanted. He wanted God's will. Look up here, Hebrews chapter 10. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10 and kind of look at the con- context of that statement, it's talking about the sacrifice of animals and all was directed by God and how you try to cover sin, how you atone for sin. And they, they use bulls and goats and these different animals. And then Jesus says, sacrifices and offerings you've not desired. God gave that as a way of showing us that no matter what we do, we can't cover our own sin. You know how common that is for us to think that? If I've done something bad, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to balance it out by doing something good. We, we live in this constant tick for tack. And, and, and the, the problem with that is I start believing that I can do something to cover my sin, to hide my sin, to pay for my sin. And it doesn't work. I still have a guilty conscience. I still have a desire for sin. Many times I return to the same sin. So God never desired a way that you and I try to figure out and fix and cover our own sins. Sacrifices and offerings you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. That's Christmas, isn't it? That, that phrase is, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas. The Son of God coming from heaven to earth with a body that God has prepared for him. What is this body prepared to do? To be broken. What, what, what is this body being prepared to do for blood to be spilled? Now, does, man, is that the will of God you want? I don't. 
I, I, I don't want that, but what does Jesus say? Behold, I've come to do your... Why am I here? Why did I take this body? Why am I going to do your will, Father? That's the primary thing going on in Jesus' heart and life. And you know what? You see that just a few minutes after the table, don't we? Jesus gets up from the, the, the supper and he heads out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember while he's out there, what, is, what does he pray? It's kind of famous prayer, right? Hey, Lord, all things being equal, I'd prefer not to have my body broken. I'd I, I prefer not to have my blood be spilled. I would prefer, listen, if we're just talking about what I desire, if we're just talking about what I want and what I feel, I don't want to do this. But I want what you want more. Not my will, but your will be done. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? See, that's what's driving him in this moment. His love for his father, his desire to do what his father wants even more than what he wants. And I think in what Jesus just showed us, we just got a glimpse of how we can give Jesus a great Christmas. Wouldn't it be great in our relationship with him if he saw in you and me a desire to be just like him? Jesus, I, I, I want to be just like you. I want to love the Father so much that I want what he wants even more than what I want. You know, sitting here in church, that, that sounds cool, romantic, just an awesome, I want what God wants. I want what God wants even more than what I want. It's cool sitting in here. Out there, not so much. Out there, that gut, that feeling, Jesus had feelings, I'd prefer not to be beaten. I'd prefer not to, but I want what you want. But what do you and I do? Folks, we get out there and we say, oh, I know you would prefer that I tell the truth, but I want to lie. That's what my gut tells me. That's what I feel and desire right now. You you know, folks, maybe you've never looked at it like this. You know what sin is? Here's a new definition of, what's not new. (laughs) Here's a definition of sin for you. Sin is every place you won. Sin is every place you want. There was the will of the Father, but your will won. So, well, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't even, yeah, it was the will of the Father that you told the truth and you chose to lie. It was the will of the Father that you forgive, but they don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know better than God, right? I mean, God, I know, knows that I just don't trust him here. I don't, I don't trust that he understands my situation. I don't, I don't trust that God understands what's going on in me. So while I love God, I know better. While I love God, I don't want what he wants. I, I, want, I want what I want. That, that's sin. Every single time I win. You realize we do this all the time. We, we can sit in church and say, oh, I want what you want, God, and go out and it's just a constant string of victory for me. Do, do we want God's will? You know, we make God's will sometimes such a mystery and how do we find it? I mean, I, you know, I need to go to church today. I need to be in God's house and see if I can figure out what God's will. Folks, God, God's will is right here. God's will is for, God's will for your life in every single detail. There's nothing you've been through or going through that is not covered in this book. God's will for your finances, God's will for your relationships, the good ones and the other ones. 
God's will for your fears and your hurts. God's will for your, your dreams. God's will for work. God's will for... Well, wait a minute. I'm making a decision. I don't remember there being a verse in there. You take everything in here that you know is God's will, and you do it, and guess what you'll always know? God's will. It's like taking a lantern down the path. Every time I take a step into the light, I just move the light further down the path. Every time I step into what I know is God's will, I just keep opening up the light down the path. This is God's will. But let's be honest, when we get out there in a certain situation, in a certain relationship, in a certain person with certain feelings, I know better. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I trust God. I'm not sure that he knows what's, what's best. But folks, isn't that what we're celebrating when we come to this table? Aren't we celebrating here that God would stop at nothing for my well-being? That God would stop at nothing For my good. It it, it would seem to me that what we're trying to celebrate, what we're trying to remember in the moment, is that the safest, most rewarding thing I can do is trust God's will, even though everything inside me is saying, do something different. Do do, do we trust His will enough to wait? Do do we trust His will enough to trust it, that it, it knows more than me? Do we trust his will enough to obey? Boy, if we, if we could get there, don't you just think that'd make a great Christmas for Jesus? That, that he looks down here and he, and he sees you and I just wanting to be like him. Not, not a list of rules that we keep. No, I just want to be like Christ. I, I want to love the Father so much that what he wants is better for me. What he wants is better to me than even what I think I want for myself. Let's pray. You know, I, I, I said I'm confident there's, there's people all throughout this room right now that are, you're, you're right this very moment looking for God's will in something. T- take a moment and just talk to the Lord about an area of life of, of wanting to know His will. Of course, as we come to this table, the the scripture challenges us, warns us that we can't come here and celebrate forgiveness of sins while we're still holding on to sins. Think of those places where your desire, your want always has victory over what God wants. Confess that as sin right now. Ask the Lord to never let you win again. That's a strange prayer, isn't it? Confess those sins to the Lord right now. Jesus, we thank you for the promise. That if we confess our sins, you are faithful. You are just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How safe it is to tell the truth to you.
how safe it is to talk about our failures. Thank you for what you've done for me, Jesus. And I pray that as we remember right now, that it motivates us to want to be just like you. To want what the Father wants. In every relationship, in every situation, in every fear, in every dream, in every day, in every conversation, to want what the Father wants. May being here at this table today motivate that in each of us, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, uh, the deacons will begin to hand the elements out. And as, the, as it comes by, take a cup. It has the juice and the wafer inside it. And just hold on to it for a moment. Uh, when, when we're all done passing it out, I'll get up and lead us all together in taking that. And uh, as, it, as we take it, when we're done, if those of you on the left end of a row, there's a basket there. If you'd pick that basket up and hand it down, everybody deposit their cup in there till it ends up on the right side and then just put it back under the chair. I, I would imagine with Thanksgiving weekend, we have quite a few guests here. We practice at the Heights Baptist and open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of this church to enjoy the Lord's Supper with us. The only biblical requirement is that you, you, you should be born again. You can't celebrate the broken body and spilled blood of Christ and what it's done in your life if you've not yet received that. So if you've not been born again, the scripture says not to come here yet. Oh, we pray for the day that you can come here. Also, the scripture warns us that as we come to this moment, as we just prayed a moment ago, I I can't come here celebrating if sin is what I still love, if sin is what I still cling to and hold on to and and protect. And so as the deacons hand the elements out, we're going to have a few minutes here. I would want to encourage you just to continue in a time of prayer time of confession and repentance, and joy in the fact that it's so safe to go to our Father and have these conversations. Amen? Amen.
funny sometimes how you can look at a story that you've you've looked at so many times and then all of a sudden have a new thought. You know, I thought of that first night that Jesus said, this is my body, it's been broken for you. What did they what did they hear him just say? That they hadn't seen the cross yet, probably barely grasping what he got. And then you wonder, you know, when they saw the cross the next day, did, you know, did it all become clear? You know, sometimes I feel like every time I come to this table, I'm still trying to grasp everything that it means, all that it means that Jesus said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. Take and eat. Jesus said this blood seals it seals us in a covenant. It, it, it seals us in a state of forgiven. It's, it seals us in a state of being righteous before God. Can you imagine that? What can I do? What can you do to actually make yourself righteous before God for all eternity? Absolutely nothing. But by his blood. You know, as I like to say, when, when Jesus forgives, it's not because we caught him in a good mood. And it's not because you deserve it. He forgives justly by the blood that was spilled. It's by Christ we are forgiven. Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that our gathering, I pray that our remembering today would have its desired impact on our lives. Lord, I imagine there's a variety of ways we could look at what we hope remembering does. But Lord, this Christmas, I pray that remembering will more than ever before make me want to be just like you. Someone so in love with the Father. So much loving Him, so much trusting Him that I that I want what he wants even more than what I want. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.